So eight weeks ago, right after Mother's Day, um, we started preaching on the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the teacher, the friend, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And the past two weeks, we have been talking about the gifts of the Spirit as seen in 1 Corinthians 12. And so we just kind of broke them into threes. And so this week we are on the last of those threes. Um, And to close out this series today, we will talk about the dynamic gifts. The dynamic gifts. Now that's, that's not a phrase that we see in the Bible, but that's a phrase that we can describe it with because these gifts are dynamic and they come from the last bit of instruction that Jesus gave uh, to his disciples before ascending to heaven. He told them to wait. In Luke 24, 49, he says, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, you know by now that the source of that power that Jesus was talking about is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus stated this strongly and clearly in his final hours on earth. When he said in Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power, that Greek uh, word for power is dunamis. And it's the source of our English words dynamite and dynamic and dynamo. And if you don't use the word dynamo, I think we need to bring a resurgence of dynamo. It's a great, it's a great word. Baby, you're such a dynamo. Yeah, you got it, babe. Um, so going back to our list found in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists the gifts of the Spirit. He says this in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit, the making known of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. I want you guys to know that God's ways are always better than our ways. And if we will trust His ways, And if we will be used by him for the benefit of all, he's going to take care of our needs because others are going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit for our benefit as well. I'll say it's the same in a marriage. When we do um, premarital ministry, you know, we always talk about, you know, husbands, if you're soon to be husbands, if you will meet the needs of your wife, your soon to be wife, if, if you will find out what those needs are and you will purpose in your heart that I'm going to meet those needs. You don't have to worry about your own needs because see, then the soon-to-be wife is going to be doing the same thing to her her future husband, saying, I'm going to to find out what these needs are and I'm going to meet those needs and you don't have to worry about your own needs. Not if we're both being generous and thoughtful and loving and respectful and, and, and we're committed to that. And we see the same thing. Jesus is committed to his bride. God is committed to his church and he wants her, he wants us to thrive. Back to verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 12. It says he gave gifts and we're going to pick up with those dynamic gifts today. So it talked about some of the gifts he gave and then in verse 9 it picks up. To another, he gives faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings. There's an S on the end. By the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Once again, there's an S on the end. Why do I point that out? I point that out because sometimes we, we, we like to put the Holy Spirit in a box. 
And we see there's nine things you can do. And I love the fact that there's a couple S's thrown on there on the end of these saying, you just let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. You let him do what he's going to do. And you don't limit him to nine things. We're talking about God, the person of the Holy Spirit, God being limited to nine things. No, there's many things he can do. So when we talk about healings, I want you to know this, that the gifts of healings are there for us to be healed. Our body, our mind, our emotions. He's, he's bigger than just saying he can only heal our body or only heal us from a cold. He's the healer. And the working of miracles. So once again, we have three distinct gifts in this grouping. Faith, the gifts of healings, and the working of miracles. And while these are three distinct gifts, a lot of times we see a cooperation among these gifts. We see these gifts kind of being utilized together. So let's begin with the gift of faith. And it might be odd to think about faith as a gift. Because faith is talked about a lot in Scripture. Everything involving our Christian life revolves around faith. We are saved by grace through faith. And Jesus repeatedly encourages us to have faith. Have faith in God. So what he's basically implying is that faith is a choice we make. Have faith in God. Place your faith in in God. It's a choice. I choose to trust. I choose to have faith. So we're talking about this gift of faith. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a supernatural endowment of belief and confidence for a specific situation. So that's Robert Morris's definition. Robert Morris um, is the uh, lead elder at Gateway Church in Texas. And he wrote a book, um, The God I Never Knew where he talks about the Holy Spirit. So I want to read that, that definition again. He, he describes or defines the gift of faith as a supernatural endowment of belief and confidence for a specific situation. So Jesus, we, we see him operate in the gifts of the Spirit all throughout the New Testament. And we see him operate in the gift of faith. And with that definition in mind, I want us to think about the display of the gift of faith that Jesus displayed in Mark chapter 4. So you remember the incident. Jesus and the disciples get into a boat. They're going to cross over to the other side. Jesus is with a bunch of fishermen. He's with a bunch of skilled sailors, if you will. So he says, I'm going to rest. I'm going to lay my head down. And then what happens? The waves pick up, the winds pick up, the sky gets dark, a massive storm. What do the disciples do? They, they freak out. They probably do the same thing that we'd probably do. They start freaking out. They start looking at the circumstances. They start feeling the chill of the wind. They start seeing the darkness. They see sunlight fade away and darkness seem to envelop them and they're afraid. Jesus exhibits supernatural faith here, not because he's God, 
Because the Bible says he surrendered that. He surrendered his, his godship when he came to earth and walked as a man. So he's not super cool and sleeping and full of faith because he's God. This is an endowment of faith because he knows despite the physical circumstances, there's going to be a supernatural work and he's going to make it through. He has faith. He sleeps. He sleeps. He rests. And when he gets woken up, they're like, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. We're going to die. He's like, no, we're not. And then we see that gift of faith in operation with the miraculous. Because it says that Jesus spoke to the storm and instantly it was stilled. So imagine eight foot waves, right? Imagine it like beating upon, you know, the ship and the winds and, and you, you're holding on for dear life. And Jesus says, be still. And instantly it is still. Instantly the skies are blue. Instantly the waves are no more. I think there's bluebirds chirping. I Imagine the people that, that, that weren't on that boat. Imagine being on the shore. Imagine just watching the view from your house and going, what in the world just happened? That's a miracle. They defied nature. It was a miracle. So the gifts of the Spirit, they often work in conjunction and they are for the benefit of His church. I want us to always keep this in mind. So in Acts chapter 6, we see a man named Stephen who was a man of faith and who had the gift of faith. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 6. We're going to flip to Acts 7. So if you want to pull there now, um, I'm reading from the New King James. And so Acts 6, 5 says this. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen. So they're, they're, choosing, they're choosing deacons. They're choosing those to help in the work of the ministry. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And they chose Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, not Pumbaa, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. A man full of faith and power. We know that, that Jesus promised that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon us. And so we see that Philip is defined by that power. He operates in faith. So for 52 verses in Acts chapter 7, we see Stephen preaching. You know, verse 1 says, you know, he's going to preach. And then for 52 verses, he preaches. And he brings a strong and powerful message. And he sees in the midst of this preaching, in the midst of this bringing this hard message, he sees what's taking place in the crowd. And I'll tell you what's taking place in the crowd. It's head shaking and harumphing and bowing their backs. And then it goes beyond that. They start looking for rocks. Not, me not metaphorical rocks. They start looking for stones. They start looking for rocks to, to murder him with. It was called stoning. And they start picking up rocks. And when the crowd starts picking up rocks, they only have one intention in mind. 
Acts 7, verse 54. When they heard these things, the crowd, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran at him all at once in one accord and they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. They started throwing stones at him for the purpose of murder. And the witness and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen walked in the gift of faith. Now I said before that the gifts of the Spirit are given to strengthen the church. So how did this strengthen the church? Because we certainly see it did not benefit Stephen. He died. So how did this benefit the church? Well, I read the verse. There's a young man there that people were throwing their garments at his feet. Like, hey, you watch these. We got someone to kill. We got, we got some violence to enact. We don't like his message. You watch our stuff. That young man's name was Saul. Saul later encountered Jesus in such a powerful, mighty way when Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? He had such a change and transformation. He was saved and his name changed from Saul to what? To Paul. Paul wrote the huge majority of the New Testament. Wrote the huge majority of the New Testament. Do we see now how sometimes our difficulty can benefit God's kingdom? We don't like to look at ourselves in that situation. We don't like to look at ourselves as being the one that endures the hardship and the pain and the persecution. But the world was changed through the, the act of faith of Stephen. So we, we see it really two chapters later in Acts chapter 9. There's a man named Ananias and we see that he has the gift of faith. He receives instruction through, through a vision to go visit Saul. That same Saul. He ain't Paul yet. He's still evil Saul. He's still evil, judgmental, given the green light for murder, Saul. And he receives a vision, Ananias does, and the Lord tells him, go, seek him out, go to where he is, and lay your hands on him. That's what I want you to do. Lay your hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that, that conversation with the Lord? Uh, he, he ain't going to receive the Holy Spirit because he, he ain't following you. He don't like you, Jesus. He's killing people who like you, Jesus. So, I don't think this is a good idea. Little did he know 
that in that time that Saul had encountered Jesus. Saul had been knocked off his ride and encountered Jesus and lost his sight. And Jesus started talking to him and teaching him and and telling him about who he is, about who Jesus is. And Saul was transformed and he was changed to Paul. But see, Ananias didn't know this. But what Ananias received was the supernatural gift of faith to say, even though I either saw or heard about this, this crowd that just killed this man, Stephen, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do what you said. The supernatural gift of faith that believes God for something beyond the physical, beyond the natural. And he went. And he found Paul. Not Saul anymore. He found someone who was changed. And Ananias laid hands on him and Jesus baptized him in the Holy Spirit. The next gift I want to talk about is the gifts of healings. Supernatural healings. Just as Christians, as we can receive the gift of faith today, the Holy Spirit also imparts what Paul calls the gifts of healings. And these are supernatural endowments of divine health. Again, this is not the Holy Spirit. I've said this before. I want to say it again. This is not the Holy Spirit um, depositing a, a special gifting into special people. And that special people is however you define special people. These gifts are available. This gift is available to any follower of Jesus. I I don't care if you've been saved a day. I don't care if it's been an hour since you trusted your life in Jesus. This gift is available to you. Because God wants to use the gifts to strengthen His church. And I want us to keep in mind that healings, they're diverse. Anybody ever had a broken heart? Needs healing, right? Anybody ever been betrayed? Needs healing, right? Anybody ever been sick? Needs healing. Anybody ever had need of healing in their mind? Our God is still in the healing business and he wants his gift to operate through willing people. You think it was easy for Ananias to get out of the comfort of his home to, to not bear arms and to go find Saul to pray over him, to, to lay his hands on him? That was hard. And, and do you think it's easy if all of a sudden the Lord starts prompting you to go pray for somebody. Hey, I want to heal her. Her heart's broken. I want you to go speak in my name and I'm going to heal her. Lord, I don't know what to say. Just use my name. Just use my name. But I want to go heal her heart. Just go tell her I want to heal her heart and I want you to do it. Will you be used? Hey, I want you to go and pray over him because he hasn't been diagnosed with it yet, but he's going to receive a bad diagnosis. And I want him to know that I've already got his back. So I want you to go speak over him and say, hey, the Lord wants to to heal you and I'm going to pray over you. It's not just for special people. Once again, whatever you think is special. It's not just for me. Maybe you think I'm special because, you know, I'm up here preaching. 
I'm special because my mom says I'm special. But that doesn't get me any of the gifts of the Spirit ahead of any of y'all. The Lord will use the willing and the open, and the willing and the open will recognize that God wants to use them. You see that, that correlation? When we're willing and open, we have an ear tuned to, to hear from God. Our heart is bare, so all of a sudden our heart beats for those that are hurting. And then the Lord gives us this prompting that I promise you ain't you. Talia, if all of a sudden you're in world history, just roll with me. You're in world history. And the Lord says, as soon as this class is over, I want you to go pray for Bobby the bully. Bobby the bully. It's a label I know, but as soon as class is over, I want you to go pray for him. And I want you to tell him that I told you to go pray for him. Let your mind wander for a second of how God could use that to change a boy, to change a family, to change a group of kids, to to change a school, to change a community, to do whatever he wanted. Revival could come from that. But what he wants is someone who will be sensitive to his heart, who will hear from him and then respond. We look and we see that the disciples, they flowed in in the gifts of healing after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, we see that Peter and John... They're on their way. They passed a man. They'd probably passed just a ton of times. And this time was different. And the man asked them for money. And this is how Peter responds. Acts 3, verse 6. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This man had been born without the ability to walk. It's not like he walked and then he had had some sort of accident or injury and so now, you know, at least he, he had never walked. He was born without the ability to walk. And talk about a, a combination of gifts. That is the gift of faith in operation with the gift of healing. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. i tell you who I want praying for me. This is just, I'm just being totally honest. The person I want praying for me is the person that says, and I see their heart just racing and I see them nervous, and I see them fumbling, and I I see them sweating, and they say, I think I'm supposed to pray for you, and they're nervous as can be. I I, I don't have any gift of healing. I I, I just feel like this is what God wants. That's who I want praying for me. I don't want the person being like, hey, you're lucky day. I got the gift of healing. I'm a healer, and I'm gonna heal you today. Uh, No, you're not. Uh, The gifts of the Holy Spirit, not the gifts of arrogant joker, um, and, uh, and it's God who heals, not man. I, I want the humble person who is sweating saying, this scares me to death, but I feel like God wants to heal you. 
and I feel like he wants me to use it. Friends, let's be that willing, humble, petrified person. Next gift, the working of miracles. Supernaturally changed circumstances. Supernaturally changed circumstances. Water, cup of water, wine. Supernaturally changed circumstances. That was a miracle. Storm, eight foot waves. They might have been nine foot. They might have been seven foot. I don't know. I'm just silence, peace, stilt. That's a miracle. Walking on water. We only see of two people who who ever walked on water. One did it for a long ways. One did it for a short bit. Jesus walked on water and then Peter's like, Lord, if it's you, call to me and let me do it. And he walked on water for a brief bit, then took his eyes off Jesus and sank. Miracle. Miracle. Now, I will say this. If you're looking for the Lord to bring some clarity on how the working of a particular miracle is going to benefit the church before you, before you act in it, you're probably not going to be used in it. If you're looking for an explanation from God, hey God, I, I will, I'll, I'll speak this out that you want me to speak it out, but I need to know first how, no you don't. He's looking for a faith-filled heart who will obey and be used in ways that are bigger than us. So, um, so there's a young man that, uh, There's a, there's a guy that, his name is Richie, he's my friend. He and I have been friends for a long time. We have the same birthday, we both played football. We went to church, you know, Pastor Al's church. I mean, he's my friend. And his uh, son died on the third. Was in an accident and he was 22 years old. And I can't even imagine the pain he's feeling. And... Um, Tomorrow, I'm going to head over to the Adams County corner and be incredibly insistent. And I'm going to get in there and I'm going to pray over Joshua, over that dead body. And I'm going to ask the Lord to resurrect. And I've never done that. I don't have the gift of resurrecting dead bodies. But I know Jesus does. And so I'm going to go over there and I'm going to speak it. I'm going to believe it because I know who Jesus is. You don't have to have the confidence and you don't have to even be this incredible man of faith or girl of faith. You just have to be willing to be used. And what if 
Can we allow ourselves to think of the what ifs? What if God raises him from the dead? Can I get a tissue, please? So I don't sniff the whole time while I'm finishing up. Thank you. That, that's not in my notes. I actually thought about putting it there and I'm like, there's no way. But, I mean, it fits. I believe God is still in the miracle working business. And I, I, so be praying with me. Be praying for open doors. Be praying for a staff that will let me in and, and be praying for, for Jesus, the Savior, to, to raise that boy from the dead, that young man. He is still working miracles. He's immutable. God's immutable. That means he never changes. He never changes. Now, there's times he changes his mind. When he sees faith, especially, he changes his mind. We see it throughout Scripture. There was a wedding, and Jesus was a guest, and they ran out of wine. And they're like, hey, we ran out of wine. And his mom was like, Jesus, they ran out of wine. And you're like, so what? What do you want from me? And she says... Hey, you guys, you do whatever he tells you. And she walks away. And Jesus changed his mind. I think he changed his mind based on her faith. I think, I think she's like, she didn't even have to spell it out. You know what your mom wants. He changed his mind because of her faith. But he's immutable. His, his character doesn't change. His nature doesn't change. The fact that he's in the miracle working business doesn't change. And guys, our God is incredibly giving. Jesus said, it's better that I go away. It's better that I go away so that the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I will baptize in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. It's this incredibly wonderful cooperation. And because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we can do incredible things. So I want you guys to think about something. When Jesus was here on earth, okay, during the 33 years that he was here on earth, we don't see any account of him appearing in two places at once. If Jesus was here, Jesus was here. Since Jesus went away, the Holy Spirit is with all of us all the time, everywhere. We have God with us everywhere all the time. That's pretty awesome, right? He's always with you. The Holy Spirit's always with you. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon human kind, upon human flesh, was one of the most beneficial and important events in human history making possible this extraordinary statement. You ready for this? John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking. And Jesus never lies, by the way. It's not necessary to say truly, truly, but he's wanting to get their attention. Listen up. This is the truth. This is the truth. I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these Will he do because I am going to the Father? Greater works than these will he do because the Father sends the Holy Spirit. John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. 
For if I do not go away, the helper, the advocate, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send them to you. So I want to talk about legal terms real quick. Advocate. Advocate. It's defined as this, a person who comes to our aid and pleads our case to a judge. Advocates offer support, they offer strength, they offer counsel, and they intercede for us when necessary. They stand in our behalf and they argue for us. That's what an advocate does. The Bible says that Jesus is an advocate for those people who place their trust in him. In 1 John 2, 1, John says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, I fall under that category. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So John calls Jesus the advocate. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the advocate. That word is only used five times in all of the Bible. Once it's used to describe Jesus and four times it's used to describe the Holy Spirit. John 15, 25 through 27. I'll read one of those instances. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, when the parakletos comes, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So, for those folks that are here and for those folks that are out there, um, as we wrap up this series, I want to make something available to you and I've done this several times before. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you want to walk in power, the only requirement we see in Scripture is that you just got to be a follower of Jesus. You just had to have given your life to Jesus. If you've given your life to Jesus... And even if you haven't been baptized in water yet, you know, that's okay. You, You need to get baptized in water too. But I mean, if you've trusted your life in Jesus and you want to be baptized by Jesus, baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus will baptize you. He will endow you with power so that you can walk in these gifts, not of your strength, not of your wisdom, not of your learnedness, not of... You're anything other than willingness because the Holy Spirit will come upon you and remain upon you just like he did with Jesus. See, when Jesus was baptized and the Father spoke and said, this is my son whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended and never left. That was one of the signs. John said, you know, the Lord spoke to John and said, you will look for the one who the Holy Spirit descends upon and never leave. And he does the same thing with us. I want to talk about one quick additional legal term and it's, it's evidence. I might, I might make it too. I might do proof also. A lot of times when we are talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we, we use a phrase that... I understand why we use it. It's just not a phrase that is used together in Scripture. 
And we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. We use that phrase. Baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. Evidence is described as this. In legal proceedings, oral evidence is adduced from a witness on oath in the witness box or tendered as physical evidence or documentary evidence after identification by a witness. Proof is defined as this. Bear with me. There's a reason I'm going here. In the law of evidence, the means by which the existence or non-existence of a fact is established to the satisfaction of the court, including testimony, documentary evidence, real evidence, and judicial notice. So here's why I bring this up. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidence will follow. But it is completely inappropriate for one of us to demand to the King of Kings that we see evidence on this right now. That is completely inappropriate. We don't have that right. He is Jesus. He baptizes people in the Holy Spirit and he does his job well. And we don't have the right to demand of the Holy Spirit. I want to see this particular evidence, which in that phrase, it's usually the speaking of tongues. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you might prophesy. Your first words might be words that edify and encourage and uplift the church. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you might all of a sudden, the first gift that you operate in might be a word of knowledge. Oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I know something about somebody that I don't know. I would have no way of knowing that about them. That's the word of knowledge. You might receive the gift of faith where you're like, I can tear down any mountain of the enemy because I feel the power of God. Point me in the right direction to say sick them. So here's, here's the thing. We do see in scripture, whenever someone was baptized in the Holy Spirit, they either said they heard something or saw something. There was evidence, okay? I need to make that clear. Scripturally, when someone's baptized in the, in the Holy Spirit, there is evidence. But what I don't want to see happen is that weird thing where that we're like, hey, you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Good, we're going to call you up here and we're going to make you stand here until you speak in tongues. That's, come on now. We don't do that. It's not appropriate. Let Jesus do what he wants to do. Let the Holy Spirit give what he wants to give and let it all be in his timing. You're going to get it all. You're going to get all the goodness of God, but let him bring it about and you just have to be willing. But I I promise we're not going to make it weird. I love the Holy Spirit. He is awesome. He is my friend. He helps me more than any man has ever helped me. He is awesome. I talk to him all the time and he talks back to me. And if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and this goes for you folks listening, if you ain't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, see, I'm getting Southern on you now. Like the ain't and the y'all comes out. That's when I start getting excited. If you all, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't wait. Ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I said this last week and I totally meant this. Anything given from God, the Father is good. Anything given from the Father to us is good. You don't have to be trepidatious or fearful or worried about it. He's a good Father. So what we're going to do is this. Um, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to have, in just a minute, I'm going to ask um, the team to come forward, our ministry team, 
so that we can pray over you. And, and then there's, Kara has a little bottle of oil there because in Scripture, oil is always representative of the Holy Spirit. It's almost like a conductor of His presence. It's, it's just oil. It could, honestly, it could be olive oil or vegetable oil or pins oil. I don't, it, mean, just, it doesn't really matter. It's, just, it's, it's a conductor of faith saying, Lord, um, I want your Holy Spirit to flow. So that's not pins oil, just so you know. It smells really nice. And we're going to pray over you and anoint you with oil. Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to give you access to all of his gifts, and then you're going to learn and grow on when to use them, and you're going to learn and grow by trial and error. You're going to learn and go, going, I'm feeling this. What is this? And like, I don't know. Let's pray. I feel like it's this. Yes, that's what I thought too. Okay, here, here's, how to, here's how to do it now. We walk together. We link arms together, and we grow together. God wants to bring us to maturity. For those of you at home, it, it kind of stinks that, that um, I can't lay hands on you and anoint you with oil or one of these awesome team members can't anoint you with oil. But I'm telling you this, you can still say, Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit and it is just as valid as if you were standing right here and I pulled a whole vat of oil over you. I'm serious. He's looking for a hungry heart. He's looking for a believing heart. He's looking for a heart that trusts and that is full of faith that he wants to pour out power upon you so that his church can be strengthened, so that people can be reached for him, and so that the name of Jesus can be exalted and lifted high as healer, as deliverer, as powerful, as mighty God. For those of you at home that want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm just asking you, to respond to Jesus right now. And then later on, there's going to be an email address that pops up. And then I want you to email us and let us know. Because we want to link arms with you and, and help disciple you and walk with you. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And then for those of you at home, that, that part of the service is going to be over for y'all. But if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't let that part of the service be over. Just have that dialogue with the Lord and just stay in that place of surrender and and hunger and let him do so. For those of you that are here, actually, team, team, why don't y'all come forward? Come come up here so that let's just make this super easy. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, find the face that you most most resonate with, that you want to come up and they're just going to pray and Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what what, what you're going to see first, but he's going to give you access to, to nine amazing gifts. And if you're willing, he'll use those gifts at various times. So I'm going to pray. We're going to kind of log off here. But for those of you that are here, I just ask you guys to stay stay with us for a minute. Just, you know, stay with us. Um, Lord, we thank you for everyone listening to this. And Lord, for every person that's just crying out to you, asking you to baptize them in the Holy Spirit, Lord, I just pray for... Lord, for your goodness to be seen, for your goodness to be manifested, to be made known, Holy Spirit, for your gifts and your presence and your power to be manifested. Change hearts. Bring freedom. And we ask you just to make us aware of the good gifts you give. In Jesus' name. Those of you at home, God bless you. We'll see you next week.